The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond. And hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dormish, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 630 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show. This week, I'm not joined by our normal crew completely, but I am joined by Lucy O'Brien. Hello. Thank you for coming back, Lucy. Uh, you are so welcome. I just want to like just sure. a quick no. question. Yeah. If we had t-shirts that said elderly Irish woman on the t-shirt, would you be interested in purchasing said t-shirt? Just... Around let us ideas. know in the comments below, and if you're listening to the audio version, write into beyond at IGN.com and let us know. Let your voice be heard for the elderly Irish woman t-shirt. It's we'll, an in joke. We'll talk about that in weeks to come, but we're not there yet. We're here this week with, as well, Ryan McCaffrey. One day I'll be an elderly Irish man <laughs> if all goes well. So, uh, the the wonderful couple of podcasting, the elderly Irish, uh, and we're also joined this week by Tom. Ronaldo Marks? No, but not actually too far off this time. Interesting. I'll give you that hint. Okay, that's good yeah. to know. All right, I'll guess it maybe next time. Uh, of course, Brian and Max are not here this week. They are both sick by whatever plague is sweeping the office. Uh, there's a lot of people out. It's and bad. But thankfully, that means I don't have to worry about, yeah. hopefully, uh, marking curses during the episode like <laughs> I often do. I'm going to make it a ploy of like mine. Like a pox swear upon your family as... kind of curse? <laughs> no, no, like the, the F words oh, and such. Yeah, both. Right. Yeah, just accidentally they get a little heated about Bloodborne. <laughs> um, and speaking of Bloodborne... It's uh, been like... Five years, guys. <laughs> I know. It's uh, they, great. Let's move on. Oh, Ryan, you have not been listening to the show recently. <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, and speaking of Bloodborne, the comment of the week comes from last week's episode on YouTube. Uh, Amuro1x said, uh, after we had talked about the possibility of maybe looking into a Bloodborne Let's Play, for the love of all that is terrifying and unholy, please do a Bloodborne playthrough. I love how much Brian loves that game, and I can't wait to see Max or Jonathan experience the terror. I don't know what just dropped in here. Uh, of course, Max is something fell from the sea. Max is working his way through the game. We've talked about how the fact that I've never played that game and maybe we should play that on camera. We are looking into the possibility. If we have something to announce, we'll tell you guys. You'll be the first to know, of course. But uh, we are looking into the possibility of us getting into a room on camera. There's a reason you talk about it after five years, though. Because they're really, like, yes, there's... There's Sekiro. There's been one more Dark Souls game since then. Three was after. But yeah. it's yeah. There's still nothing else like that game. Yeah. So it's just 
it's a, it's a, it's held it's withstood the test of time for sure for yeah. sure and, and I, I think it's safe to say at this point that we will be doing something yes we just don't sure. quite know what it's going to look like yet, yeah but um we're yeah we're yeah. heavily into well discussions. you gotta mark i guess seriously you could mark the five-year anniversary exactly. of yeah. the game it's coming out in march and we are aware of that anniversary and looking into what we can do for it but Thank you to everyone who commented and wrote in and said you want to see that playthrough. We want to do it, and we're trying to figure out the best way to make that happen, so we'll fill you in on future weeks to come. And so without further ado, we're going to pause from this group and jump all the way into a recording from last week, but pretend it happened this week, uh, where we talked with Abby Happy and Siobhan Reddy. Lucy joined me to talk to the two of them. They're from Media Molecule, because of course Dreams is being released on February 14th, this Friday, in full. So we talked to them a little bit about the excitement of launch, the early access period, and just sort of having been invested in the world of Dreams since the launch of PS4 and sort of what that's meant to the studio. So I will throw to that right now. Thank you so much, myself, for that lovely introduction, I'm sure. Uh, my name, of course, is Jonathan Dormush, and I'm joined by Lucy O'Brien. Hello. As well as from Media Molecule, Abby Happy. Hello. And Siobhan Reddy. Hi. Thank you so much both for joining us. Uh, of course, we're here in the week of Dreams' launch. It's finally here. It's uh, after a pretty lengthy but very exciting early access period. Uh, we're coming into the launch. And I think just to start things off, how are you both and how is the studio feeling? Dreams is in launch. <laughs> <laughs> how is that? Um, I mean, we. I feel good. You uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. yeah. 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 I mean, it, you know, it's been um, that early access has been. It was the first early access we ever have done, mm -hmm. and the whole phase itself has been. You know, we've learnt loads. We've just seen so much, and it's like getting to this stage where we're actually opening it up to a broad, you know, a new audience. We've worked really hard at fixing loads of, you know, the bugs and adding new features and. Um, so yeah, it feels a little bit like that moment, you know, the, the night before. So a few yeah. jitters, um, super proud of the community and the team for everything that they've done. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting. The community in particular, like we are, we are sort we've talked about it mm -hmm. in, in previous beyond episodes. We're actually slightly obsessed with the dreams community. Mm -hmm. Um, primarily because, you know, video game communities aren't, always known for being the most positive spaces. What? And <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not, you heard it here first. Uh, and, you know, the Dreams community is so positive and um, is creating such incredible stuff. Uh, and I, I just, I mean, has that sort of helped you from day one, just that, that spirit that that community has had? Yeah, I mean, of course. It's, it's, it's such a, I mean, just today... Uh, uh, what well, we, I mean, it just last week, um, we can break the fourth wall. It's all, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but the, the community did this amazing, you know, thing where uh, everybody just made videos for us telling us what dreams meant to them. And it was like, I woke up, I, I cried a yeah. lot of course, uh, okay. for watching every single one of them <laughs> and, and looking at the you know, response on Twitter, but it was just, it just, you know, um, it was a community member, uh, gentleman, Tom and, and Dorian who had organized it. And it's just like, it's amazing. Like that kind of stuff is like, gives you what you need to keep going and doing things. Cause this isn't just a, you know, a, a launch. It's like, we have so many other things coming for dreams and we have so much, you know, support that we keep planning, you know, keep that we keep planning to give it. And, you know, to get that kind of uh, response back is like incredibly heartening. And, you know, I think it's easy to sort of, you know, forget like when your head's down and you're working hard, who you're doing it for. And uh, our community never lets us do that, which is amazing. 
Was there, I, I saw all of those uh, What Dreams Mean to Me videos. I assume, was that a surprise to the... Yeah, completely. Yeah, completely. Oh my God, I would have yeah. sobbed. Oh, I mean, I said, we have sobbed. We did, we yeah. have <laughs> sobbed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> I think things like that, like also um, Project Genesis made a trailer the other day, which was just this brilliant trailer, yeah. sort of, uh, and same thing, you also watch cried. it, you sob. Yeah. Um, but then this morning, yeah, it was just like, Abby was like, you're not going to make it through a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> good luck. Tr- and I was like, true, true. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, and for the team, you know, like the team on Twitter have been, I could, you know, I feel so far, we far away from them right now, but like, I'm so happy for them that all mm. of the work that we've put in, um, they get to experience this kind of response. So Big thank you to our gorgeous community, but you know, yeah, that's it's been really lovely, and it's kind of been like that since day one, really, of yeah. the beta. And prior to that, we've had, you know, people talk to us about like the length of time Dreams has taken, and like a lot of these people have been with us on that journey mm-hmm. and have just cheerleaded us along. So it's kind of felt like the Media Molecule Dreams team is much larger than mm-hmm. just a lot of us in the studio because they've sort of been on it with us. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it's it's. it's Cool. I, I have a question on that, Siobhan, because I remember when I was still okay. living in Sydney. <laughs> oh, Lucy. And do you remember this? I remember. Because this was so many years ago. So, yeah. Dorno, I hosted a thing at a <laughs> bar, I think it was. It was. In Sydney. Readers? I think it was. Readers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like when Dreams was, it was, a, it was a reality, but it was still, it was early days. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about it still very conceptually. Uh, there wasn't, you know, a huge amount of like, this is exactly what it is. This is what it looks like. This is how you play it. It was still very much like, this is what we want to make. And this is where our, our heads are at. And this is what our ideas and dreams are. Uh, sort of looking, you know, we're, we're so close to launch. Uh, is, it, is it what you envisioned back then, the final product? Um, has it, I mean, I can only imagine it's changed dramatically from what you imagined it's that plus so much more so I think the thing that we were talking about back then was we were showing um, snippets of gameplay of characters wandering around scenes Uh, we had I think Maya was also with me and she was demonstrating sculpting and kind of showing the versatility of that and the puppets Um, so that phase yeah you're right it was still the point where we hadn't had the eclipse and the thing I call the eclipse is like this moment where you're hand waving and talking is eclipsed by what you actually see on the screen and what you can experience and when I think that you know we got to the point where the tools were doing everything we could see stuff from the internal team and the creator alpha but it really was the early access where that where I think we got a real sense that all that stuff we'd spoken about in bajillions of meetings way, way back when about flow state and performance and creativity and ballet and like all these like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like we just had lots of conversations about how do you create tools that allow people to put their style up onto the screen and to sort of genre bend so you're not kind of just in one place. And if I think about those conversations to now and to early access, like it's amazing. It's surpassed our dreams. So that is a I'm you know I think an amazing place to be. You know, like I, I every you know we see everything from the polished games all the way through to the fringe, artsy stuff, and even beyond that. So it's yeah. like you know it's it's like so awesomely emotional yeah you know we dream surf and just sob we do a lot of sobbing <laughs> yeah we do a lot of sobbing a lot of sobbing in between all the game creators <laughs> it's a surprising <laughs> amount of crying <laughs> yeah um with 
that early access period, was there anything in particular, mm. because obviously you were putting out these tools for the first time and letting that community en masse sort of finally get their hands on it. Was there anything in particular or a few things that really stuck out to you, um, to you or to the development team that surprised you that the community was doing with these tools? Well, I, like there's, yeah, of course. I mean, the short answer is like, of <laughs> yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the long answer is like, there's just so many things and so many people that I could highlight. Like, the people who use it in really different ways. Um, Tanik Alloy is always really interesting because um, he takes sort of, I call him sort of like the magician of dreams because, you know, he sort of relies on these sort of like tricks with the camera and other stuff to, you know, sort of make dreams do things like make, um, you know, balls roll from one end of the screen to the other when you move it. Or he made like a um, a pool table yeah. that when he turned his TV flat. And, Arena. Yeah. Like he's just made like really clever. Arena? Like a, Yeah. He made a, he made like a violin with the, with the DS4 controller. Oh, with the controller. Yeah. I saw yeah. That. yeah. And so like, you know, people using it in really creative ways um, like that, I think is always surprising. There's a few people who <laughs> like took the tools, uh, Rolbu who did the gate, like, that was something we all, you know, we looked at and went like, I don't know how that's done. And, you know, I so, said, yeah, I think. Yeah. And there's yeah, things like, um, we always loved the idea of people building collections. And so it's been really great to see creators like Diamond Dancy or Bella Iris actually create these amazing collections for people. Yeah. Um, and then, so you start off with this idea where you're like, oh, maybe people will do this. We're, we'll do it. We do it. We like it. And then the thing I've loved about early access is seeing that people go deep different people go deep in different areas and some and that's what we you know a bit like when we were making lbp the big question was will people create and we were sort of like yes yes hopefully yes they will (laughs) sure dreams it's not been so much will they create it's more like will they will the ecosystem be full of all of the things like will there be people making vo will there be people making objects will there be people making games will there be people making animations will we get the spectrum of like full games all the way through to arts pieces and it's like yep 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 yeah and you know you can just so that is really cool Seeing people do all their start their little studios. Oh yeah, that's like yeah. awesome. I, I, the I love going through the developer idents in in Dreams. They're yeah. really fun. Yeah, um, and I love seeing the things that people take from games. One of the ones that makes me laugh so hard is like people add loading screens because like the lo- actual <laughs> loading times in Dreams are incredibly short. Mm-hmm. But there are people who have actually added. So you're not even nothing's loading. You're just looking at someone who's <laughs> yeah. made a loading screen. That one always blows my mind because you know it, on the outside we're like, oh god, I wish games didn't have loading screens. And they're like, I'm going to put them in because I think this is funny for the game I'm making. It's like, amazing. All right. Did you notice any emerging trends um, sort of pop out right away in terms of what people were building that you may not have expected? Uh, kind of like what I just said with like the, the sort of developer things. We noticed like once somebody has the knowledge of one of those things, you see it spread. It mm. becomes like a meme in dreams. <laughs> There's a lot of rhyming, uh, <laughs> especially when we stream. Um, and <laughs> dream, dream. Yeah, and when Kareem does his stream. This is so bad. Um, so, oh, God. The rest of the episode <laughs> has to rhyme. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> what have I done? Yeah, I'm a word nerd. So, yeah, but we, see, you know, so we saw that. So now it's like you start seeing people do uh, gamma correction. This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. 
The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, let's hear them talk about it. Shows that are so bad they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing, I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. And you're like, oh, yeah, sure. And when Untitled Goose Game came out, there were a bunch of people who made, like, games that involved pranking people and crossing things off lists. Not with geese. It was just that there was a, that was a mechanic that they enjoyed. And then you started to see that me- mechanic sort of flow through dreams. And, like, so you do see trends. Actually, one of the really cool ones was the Made in Dreams hashtag. Yeah. Because um, that came from the community. And uh, did we? Or did no, you, no, that came from okay. us. But, <laughs> um, well, but it got adopted. But it got it adopted. Got, well, because Made in Dreams came first. Because that was, we yeah. sort of... There was a point when we were about to do early access where we sort of realized, like, oh, my God, when we're showing screenshots of this game, there's literally nothing that ties this one to the next one to the next one. And that's where we were like, oh, we need we need a brand. And yeah. and so Maiden Dreams kind of came out of that. And then we had originally been using Dreams PS4, so it's like our, our sort of social media tagging and, uh, like, identity preceded our understanding of our own product so yeah like it's been you know it's sort of evolved with it and made yeah. dreams really kicked off in in early access especially because it was so creator focused um and now it's really the one that everybody runs with i, I love it yeah i'm curious as to like i i, I mean above all this i keep thinking this was such a it felt like a <clears throat> such a gamble mm-hmm. for, for 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 media molecule for sony as well um 
do you feel like you could have done it under any other publisher? Has 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 Sony support been? You know, I mean, I know that there is a Sony PR guy in the room right now, but <laughs> open up, open up, <laughs> open up, team. Um, but it, it does feel like you know, fr- from the outside, you know, we host a PlayStation show. Sony has always struck me as a publisher that was willing to take risks. Yeah. Um, beyond. Many publishers, you know, and, and, and I've always admired them for that, even when those risks don't um, always succeed, but they're, they're risk takers. Yeah, they are. They're a very inventive company. And so I think for us, it's hard for me to compare it to anything else because all I really we really know is Sony and Sony have just been the best for us. You know, like Media Molecule's entire history with PlayStation has just been, like, wonderful. So I think, like, yeah, like, Shu right from the very beginning was very supportive, as was Michael Denny, and they saw the, the, you know, they understood what the ambition was. Obviously, we'd come off the back of LBP, so we had, you know, we'd, we'd done some... People years, liked that, yeah. People liked that. <laughs> Pretty popular. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah just, have yeah. you heard? I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, it... So yeah, they were they they have backed us, and I think that you know the thing that's been interesting along the way is that dreams where it is now is where we've started, mm. but where it is is so different to anything else that is out there, and you know that's the thing that together Media Molecule and Sony just keep we're just disco- we're on the journey together, and we keep we're sort of keep discovering how do you what do you do with this kind of thing, um, and so you know I've, it's just joking about the you know it's it's hard to sum up dreams in a thumbnail and it's hard to sum it up in one sentence but it is but that's but if we can expand a bit on that then it it isn't hard it's it could because it is so many things it is the tool it is a platform it is a completely new way for people to consume games and I think in our world it is like um it's just it's this part this moment is like the next step along the way and everybody gets it more than ever before but like any new ip you just don't know what it is until you get to some of these points and that's where sony have always been really good they know what to do with new ip um so yeah i mean you know it's 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 an ongoing thing we've done an award show we've done live performances we've done like all like it's wild we have a wild exciting interesting development we are very different from every other studio in terms of what we're doing and the crazy stuff we get up to but you know yeah that is what mm's about i did want to ask about the award show because one i just love the idea of that for a game having an award show for its uh, community is such a fantastic thing how did the genesis of that come about was this a long gestating thing was it seeing what people were doing in early access and deciding to celebrate it that way yeah I mean it was something that we talked about a bit like you know off you know just off offhand because um you know you've it's there there was one for LBP mm-hmm. the Sackies uh, the Sackies mm-hmm. um <laughs> the Sackies yeah. well so I mean originally we were talking about calling it the golden imps and so was like you can't because the way people will shorten it and I was like the <laughs> But the yeah. the LBP ones are all the sackies. <laughs> <laughs> like what? So it was anyway, a more innocent time, Abby. It, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, the early, the, you know, two thousand and eight. Um, so yeah, and then, but we didn't really kick off the actual sort of like, how does this work? How is this going to, you know? Because there's there's a surprising amount of behind the scenes work just to, to figure out how it's structured and everything. But I used to work in uh, live events and television production and stuff like that. So it was, and it was really fun to actually 
try to put together a rather structured but still kind of like tongue-in-cheek community show. Uh, we really kicked off a lot of the uh, actual work for it, I think, in December. Yeah, it was once um, the game had wrapped and you could yeah, take the... Yeah, and we could, you know, grab a few Loads animators of it, yeah. and other people were like, I want an intro and it's got to be the Hollywood of games, Guildford and, you know, <laughs> spotlights. And it was really fun. And I've, then, like, in true form, the molecules... Totally. You know... Kick. They turned yeah, up. Killed it. Yeah. It was we great. got into our finery, <laughs> oh, yeah, and we wonderful. got into the the, the playroom, yeah. and uh, they cheered their little hearts out. <laughs> Literally, the most brilliant. ambitious. It was, uh, cool. it was one of the most ambitious uh, streams we've ever done. It was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, it really was. It was yeah. great. And, and you know, I think that's the thing is like dreams for us has been just such a. a um, we are experimenting with different ways of like how to show off the games yeah. how to show off what you can make um on playstation off playstation yeah. you know in the streams and i think that that is like you know in terms of where we are and what's going on in media and how people are using streaming and all sorts yeah. of things like dreams is very much of its time you know and how yeah. how it's people you want to show off all the creative stuff that um you you can actually do with it you know we have a green screen in the studio and we just you know like being able to play with that and have fun um, and put ourselves on a crazy stage and do that kind of stuff is exciting and it's fun to do for the community. Like, I, and and I was terrified of the show because I was like, if we award people, like, is it gonna is it gonna create friction? Is it going to you know? So making sure that it was really about all the in jokes that we have with them and the you know and the kind of um, the spirit of like let's recognize everyone. This is a really cool night and and regardless of who wins and who loses, like this is a fraction of what we love in dreams. You know, there's so there's so many special things happening. I think you've just done the most incredible job at showcasing, just as you said, the way that you showcase what Dreams <laughs> is because you had a very unique challenge in that you can't... It, it doesn't wrap up nicely in a sentence. It's a very hard sort of product to be like, okay, it's this is like uh, Doom meets... Pac-Man, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't have an easy, it doesn't have an easy yeah. elevator pitch. Yeah. It probably, probably exists in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. It, it probably does. Exactly. Yeah. Well, hopefully it will now. <laughs> um, but I think the way that you've gone about it has been, as you say, it's very of now. It is all about streaming and showcasing creators and community. And mm. um, I think that people will probably be learning from the way that you have sort of essentially marketed this game without doing any of the traditional, <laughs> you know, marketing. Uh, and I, I think it's just, it's, you couldn't have done it any other way. And it's just incredible what we've been seeing. Yeah, putting it into the hands of the players, especially for such a long period of time, has been, I think, the thing that, at least for the IGN audience, for sure, has translated to so much more interest from people who are like, I've heard of the Dreams, I've seen people write previews of Dreams on IGN. I think there are four or five different previews on IGN that start with, I don't know how to describe Dreams yeah. exactly. I think yeah. I even wrote one of them, and I sort of hate <laughs> myself for it now, because I'm just like, oh, yeah. shut up. You're just every other games journalist but writing a preview of Dreams. Everyone asks the question, so, what is Dreams? <laughs> You're like, ah. But, you know... <laughs> Like in in fair, like it it took us a long time to get you know like the elevator pitch because like, we were always asked for the elevator pitch of it. We're always asked for it, and you know, and we we stayed away. I think sometimes from a lot of the complexity of it, like mm. oh, but and also <laughs> game, you know, it's games, but also music and art and and all of these other you know bits of it because it does make it it, it does make it more confusing, and at the same time, like. I'm so much happier embracing it and I'm so glad we did the early access journey because it's helped me actually come to a better understanding of what it is myself because until you actually see how people are using it and what they do with it and and like where they're taking it I actually think that it was maybe we didn't 
it was good that we didn't know how to answer that question. We weren't yeah. there yet. Yeah. And you were f- sort of forced to experiment. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it, what I really li- love about the early access is it was, uh, it's created by the personalities of the creators. Mm. So in that respect, it's kind of grassroots. It's people doing it themselves. The community have formed what dreams is yeah. and what's, we set the framework based on what we were hoping it would be and gave lots of tools. And so far, you know, we've, what we've really, you know, we've seen uh, people surpass what we thought they, what even what we were making, you know, like in our spare time, like people have just expanded what it actually means, you know, uh, to create a dream. It's yeah. And made stuff that I don't know, like if dreams didn't exist, I don't know where I would go to find yeah, that totally. thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what really, that's what I've really come to understand about it over yeah. early access is like, I've played and experienced so many things in dreams that like, if it wasn't there, I don't know where I would find that. Like, yeah. would it, where would I look? And you know, because it's stuff that's a bit too experimental for what's happening in games. It's stuff that's like, doesn't really fit what's, you know, ha- you know, happening on, on YouTube or I, it's just really weird and cool. And I love that. And it's great. One of the other things that I love is like teaching. So the whole process is we've learned throughout development is we've been learning how to teach and how to teach people how to use the tools. But actually the early access again has been this wonderful experience of actually talking about our craft of, of games development to a new audience of people who are wanting to learn games development which has just allowed us to kind of zoom out from the whole thing almost yet again. And I know that like so many people on the team and so many people in the community are just loving to share how you do things. We have so you know? many like, teachers, yeah. So many teachers. And that side of it, like you, we, you couldn't know what was going to happen there. But actually the, how much people are helping each other is just is really, you know. And it's lovely because it actually reflects the games industry as well. I think the games mm. industry is an industry of people who love to share techniques and how they're doing things. And, you know, that's one of the, the, the really beautiful things about the industry. And it's completely reflected in what is going on in Dreams. So it's I love that, like, it's opening – it is definitely opening doorways for people to go on to professional careers. It is definitely opening doorways for people just expressing – something that they've been feeling it's definitely opening doorways for people doing weird things and that actually also reflects the industry so it's like yeah. it's like this little mic- microcosm, you know, microcosm yeah. and it's um you know just infinitely interesting was there a sort of moment um because you t- you, you know you talk a lot about um sort of jumping into the abyss and, and so far oh, yeah. as you don't you don't know whether you're going to get <laughs> that traction from the community and so much of of this game this creation uh relies on community was there a moment or at least a series of sort of events where you sort of thought okay this is this is working this is this is what we wanted the community is embracing it in the way that we wanted yeah that i mean just the first couple days of beta was Mm. uh the first creation that someone made it just said like um like love you mm or something it was Mm. really sweet and 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 that was great and we were like oh that's so that's so cool but we were all gathered around the tv in the center of the studio going like oh my god when is the next thing going to be yeah. published what is <laughs> and i i think within a week by the end of by the end of beta like we were seeing stuff we, we didn't we'd never expected to get that level of yeah. of quality and i think once you started to see that come through there was there's a huge amount of relief i mean even within a week we were seeing things that exceeded where we thought people would get with you know too with the tools so <coughs> really that was really special and and also slightly terrifying like, yeah but that, and that's time. like that's actually happened all the way throughout the year as well so i'd say 
over even Christmas to now, there's just yeah. been this real curve of like amazing stuff being published. Yeah. And, you know, like with anything, like the more you practice, the more you do things, the sort mm-hmm. of the more techniques you learn, the more. Um, but it's just, uh, you know, from the, the, the point where we started the beta to now, I love that it's kind of, it's just growing and that people are just trying new things. That's never stopped. There's never a day that I go to the Dreamiverse and I'm like, oh, nothing's here. <laughs> nothing to look at here. Like there's just always something. And uh, there's always something that is, you know, like nothing else I can play anywhere else. So it's, you know, and then you click on that creator's name and go to their My Creations. And I'll notice that, you know, if there's something that I've loved of theirs in a community jam or there's been yeah. something that I actually, re- an element that I loved some other time. And, and then you, you start know, to notice them in their art yeah. style and then you recognize it. And then, you know, you've created this like visual identity. Like, yeah. oh, well, that's, you know, digital thing. Yeah. Oh, that, you know, it's just like you, you, you know, people so leave their mark, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's really, it's cool. Yeah. Before we wrap up, I, I, I do want to ask you, uh, there are a lot of people we're two days out from, days. from launch. Yes. Um, <laughs> when this goes out, yes. When this should go. Yeah. We should, we should Don't confuse them on a plane. Yeah. Not, I'm not, I'm not we need to get back to England. <laughs> recording in the past. Um, what are the what are the sort of the, the big tips that you would give to people who are going to jump in yeah. on Friday? New, new newcomers, not experienced with game making, not experienced with anything like dreams. What what are the big tips that they should know yeah uh, start start small I mean I, I think a lot of people go in with really ambitious idea of like oh, I'm going to create this whole thing and it's like this is not actually how the process of creating anything works and um, I've been on the journey myself so I, I you know looking back at like what I made in the beginning had a really nice experience you know seeing some of my early stuff that was really simple get used in a lot of things because they're just simple props that like people pick up and use and um and, and you can be part of someone else's collaboration without having to make anything major. And I think if you start small, you'll learn and, and you will be able to do that thing. Like, we've seen people go on this journey. Um, but don't worry about having to, like, take it all in at once. Uh, you know, find your own path, find your own journey. If you don't do create, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think actually going to the dream, um, dream surfing, dream surfing, uh, going to dream <laughs> surfing and actually just playing through uh, MM picks, um, playing through um, sort of pick up and play playlist. Um, and kind of get involved, like give people comments, like yeah. their content, create a, nice a, comments. Create, yeah, nice comments. <laughs> create a group of people that you're following, you know, I think, you know, and then I'd really recommend try out the recommended tutorials, you know, just dip your head, dip your head, dip your toe in the water. But I think it's like, you know, allow, allow yourself to go with your mood. If you're wanting to play some things, play some things if you start create mode and then you start you know sculpting and you're not feeling it give sound mode a go like just you know take little little steps you don't actually have to do absolutely everything all at once and just accept that it is like made by all of us it's for all of us made by all of us so you're not going to see not everything is going to be like you know it's not going to be like all triple a games it's it's something very different these days we're much more used to like watching TV and or films in very different ways and that's the sort of spirit to enter dreams with is it's like it's a place 
that is filled with people who love making interactive entertainment or art or music and so just dive in with that spirit and give it a go and give the community some love yeah you know be kind it's like it's a a bunch of people who are putting themselves out there who do amazing stuff and they're so kind to each other they're helpful if you need help ask for it it because people will help you and I think you know for us it's just so important to keep you know that as the spirit of the community and keep it a really kind and encouraging place because everybody who's making stuff in dreams deserves absolutely no less than that I think that's, that's a wonderful way to that's wrap up. That's a wonderful yeah. way to end. I'm going to cry again. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> More crying, as is expected. Um, no, I think both of you and the entire Media Molecule team have led by that example. The constant positivity I see, not just within Dreams and that community, but on Twitter and every time something is shared is so constant and so yeah. enthralling to see, just this constant positivity. And it makes me, I, it, a discussion we had last time, Abby, you were on the show, was about, oh, I don't know if I'll create anything good. I don't know if I can do that. And the positivity that the community has of just give it a try and that you yeah. had, a, just yeah. it's worth yeah. giving it a try yeah. and experimenting. Yeah. And there's a community there that will be positive and help you in whatever you're interested in. Yeah. I think it's incredible what you've you and the team have built. And there will be a community that will like your weird janky stuff anyway. Yes. Yeah. There will always That's be some. I love yeah. that. I know it's amazing. <laughs> Siobhan and I are big, big proponents oh, of that. Yeah. Side we of really dreams. are. Of the My janky favorite. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Did you, it's the best. Yeah. Oh yeah. Did you ever watch Eat Carpet at on the experimental film TV show in Australia? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that to me is like that is like one of my favorite things about dreams is this moment of just the weird Things. I used to host the a public edges. access television Yeah, we love show. Oh, so this yeah. is like, like right this up right our, in the wheelhouse. This is, yeah. we this is our house. Yeah. <laughs> well, Abby, Siobhan, thank you so much for being with us on the show. It's been yeah. so wonderful yes. to have thank you both you. on. Thank uh, you. Dreams is out this Friday, Great. as time works, on February 14th. And if you have the early access version, you can already jump in at the time this episode is going up. Uh, but thank you both so much. Congratulations on the launch to you and the thank team. Thank you. Thank you for stopping so by. And uh, thank you, Lucy, for being here. Thank you, Jonathan. (laughs) Thank you, Red, for producing this segment. And we'll throw back to the rest of the episode. And we're back. Thank you so much for listening to that wonderful interview I conducted. No, Lucy did most of the hard work there. Uh, (laughs) It went by so fast. I know. It's hard to believe. Uh, But again, thank you so much to Abby and Siobhan for joining us in the studio and talking about that game. Uh, Of course, Dreams is, as you're listening to this, available in its full release now if you purchased the early access version already. So if you have that, it's now available for you to play. You just need to download a patch. And then the full release for everyone else comes out on February 14th. Uh, I don't believe it will be up by the time of this episode, but definitely look forward to IGN's review of dreams yeah no it, it might i don't think it will quite be up by the time but it will be up before the full release if you're waiting on that um and i can say we have our very own simon cardi who did some of the preview coverage for it as well reviewing it uh and he just as a little teaser liked it quite a bit <gasps> yeah i know <laughs> likes that game we recently our uk team recently previewed the campaign yes which yeah. you know it's not just a, a tool suite there is a a campaign there so mm-hmm. that's I know that's the thing that I was sort of most curious about. It's like, oh, what's the actual sort of crafted game part? Well, there it is. We've got that coverage if you want to check that out while you wait for the uh, final version to drop this week. And also yeah. shout out to Simon because, oh my God, if I had to review Dreams, I think I would just <laughs> what? Like, uh, yeah. weep in a pile of my own piss. <laughs> like, I just would just be like, everything would just drop out of me. And 
that's and then you would and then I would die. Wow. So just you know, wow. like it's just it's just it's such a no. Difficult it is such thing. an undertaking. Yeah, like it's such an overwhelming undertaking. But I think uh, all of his work, as Ryan was calling out to the preview coverage that uh, Cardi and Joe and the rest of the UK team has been doing, is so phenomenal, and they yeah. clearly have a very great understanding of what makes this game work and tick as people who may not be the most experienced creators, but are invested in that side of the game as well. Uh, I'm really excited to see his final review. I'm really excited to try out that campaign as well. And I was very excited to find out the trophies are now live. So you can find out if it's an achievable <laughs> platinum. It seems doable. I'll report back in weeks to come. Uh, but I create anyway. a 40 hour role playing <laughs> <Yeah>. epic. <laughs> there is one that's like, just be like hey. <laughs> there is one that's like make a dream with like 20 other creators stuff incorporated into it and I'm like oh that's gonna be tough but at, at least it's that and not make a dream that 2 million people yeah. play and you're like oh no yeah none of it seems to be predicated on the belief of like how popular can you get it's just like how invested can we get you in the tool set right which is very cool um, there is a there is a method and a madness to a good trophy list, and I appreciate when people do it. Um, but no, of course, obviously, Dreams is coming out this February, and I wanted to kind of talk about that in the context of 2019. And obviously, uh, Ryan, you on Podcast Unlocked have plenty of other exclusive games coming out this year to look forward to as well. I thought we could spend a little bit of this show talking about the lineup of 2020 PS4 exclusives that are coming um, because it is quite a year. Obviously we're all looking ahead to the PS5 and we've been talking about that constantly since the year began, but we haven't really taken stock of just how big this year still is for PS4. It's a pretty great swan song year. Um, So obviously dreams is coming out this week. Uh, Quite a great way to kick off the year, especially given that that game was revealed alongside the PS4. It has been part of its life cycle and now it's finally here. Wow. Um, The first one though, I wanted to tout uh, sort of in line with, you know, the Soulsborne genre, Neo 2, which uh, our own Mitchell Saltzman recently got to preview. He put up uh, some preview coverage of it, including uh, some video content while he was sick and under the weather that he was able to put together uh, of some of his boss battles and everything. And it's it's a great uh, explainer of sort of the combat level and the difficulty of that game. He's a good hype man. Lucy, did you play much Neo in the original? I forget if that's one that you... We don't, we don't talk of this. Oh, which, which game? I... <laughs> So we realized recent or a few weeks back that uh, Neo and Nier, when said by Lucy, sound vaguely similar. Nah. <laughs> um, yeah, no hard R. Yeah. No hard R in this yes. accent. It's okay. Um, have either of you played Neo? I'm I curious. have not had the chance. I, you know, actually, I played a little, like, two seconds of the demo. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I could see, because, so for me, Team Ninja, for me, I'm a major Ninja Gaiden fan. Yes. So... Mm-hmm. I looked at Neo when the, that demo first hit, and I was like, "Oh, I can see kind of some of the the DNA of Ninja mm-hmm. Gaiden here, but obviously also, you know, more kind of Souls ish, Soulsborne kind of stuff." So, yeah, it's uh, I'm more of a hyper speed Ninja Gaiden kind of player, yeah. but respect the heck out of Neo for sure. Yeah, it's um, I, I played about five or six hours of the first game and sort of hit a wall and put it away, and then never came back to it. But it's one of those things where I see the impressive technical skill that uh, Mitchell puts on in some of his preview coverage. And I'm like, oh, I hope I'm good at a game like that one day. (laughs) That's incredible. Um, He's the man you want previewing those games. Yes, absolutely. Uh, And he also got to talk to the Neo devs from that preview, which is mostly wanted to bring it up and speaking of Ninja Gaiden, they are very aware that people want another Ninja Gaiden and they hope to make one someday. But so much in the way you campaigned for a Bloodborne playthrough for us, campaign for a new Ninja Gaiden if you want it. Uh, They are open and listening to it. Uh, that comes out in March, the beginning of March, and then later in March is MLB The Show 20, which, Ryan, you actually got to see a little bit of uh, 
gameplay Indeed. on PS4 Pro. Yes. Tell us a little bit of what you saw and what's been changed. Yeah, I would say the, the big takeaway for, for baseball fans out there, this is, this is our time <laughs> of the show. Everybody else, <laughs> grab another beverage, do what you got to do. I've been to a baseball game. <laughs> now, you know, MLB The Show has been a great, great series for a long time. It is, unfortunately, the only simulation baseball series and PlayStation fans have been very lucky to have it (laughs) for this these last couple of well two what two and a half even three generations yeah um you know obviously we all know it's coming to Xbox and Switch if possibly next year but the year possibly the year after I guess it'll depend on who knows it could be contracts could be staffing could be budgets could be anything um, but yeah, it is, uh, I look forward to it every year on, on place. Like I have told, cause Xbox fans, they know I'm a, I'm a, I'm an Xbox player and they know I'm a big baseball fan Yeah, every year without fail. I get tons of tweets. When, when is Xbox going to get a baseball game? And every time I'll answer seriously, just buy a PlayStation <laughs> for the show. It's worth it. Yeah. Especially at this point in the generation, you can get a good deal on a, on a, uh, a PS4 course now we know there is a light at the end of the tunnel for (laughs) xbox baseball fans but yeah uh the show 20 is the thing about it is it's it's been so good for so long that uh we're at that point in the generation where you know the 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 transition the generational transition from ps3 to ps4 was years ago yeah so all the hiccups that come with that are long gone they've just been refining gameplay systems for a number of years to the point where they're just they're just like polishing the diamond at this point. <laughs> Pardon the phrasing; I didn't even mean for the diamond <laughs> the reference. Diamond, yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's been great for a while, and they're like so. This year, the big focus when Ramon Russell, the community developer and, and gameplay director, uh, came in was uh, some of the neat stuff they're doing on on trying to add a little a little sort of extra variety and challenge to the game in the form of. Um, you can be perfect some if you just time things exactly right. Just like in real baseball, every now and again, you can just perfect bat to the ball mm-hmm. where you've, you've completely scored it up and, and the ball's going to go. Same thing where if you, you could just nail a perfect throw to home from the outfield and get the guy at the plate. So there's, you know, they've, they've tweaked the meters and okay. it, with, in accordance with player ratings, you know, the better defensive players are going to have a, a, a larger sweet spot to hit that perfect throw. So um, they've even, like, the lousier fielders have have uh, bad first steps in the outfield of, like, breaking towards a <laughs> ball. So just all these, like, s- just subterranean layers of, yeah. of detail in a baseball game that can only they can only even bother justify spending the time on if the core fundamental stuff is excellent, and it just has been for the show for a while, I think I want to say it got a mid to high eight, or maybe even a nine. It might have even been a low nine on at IGN last year. I yeah, uh, last year it was supposed to be kind of like I, I know you said it's been getting better and better, but last year I, I believe our review said it was pretty much the the peak of the series in recent years. It's, yeah, it really has just sort of like. It, I wonder if this year then has something to prove, right? Something to kind of get over that even more. Yeah, and it's it's that curse of the sports game too, uh-huh. right? Where it's like, well, you can if you're refining the, just the great stuff, some people get kind of frustrated or annoyed because, well, what's new this year? What's right. really? And it's you know there there are these little additional systems, the, you know the the perfect throws, perfect hits, the first steps, all that stuff. 
Um, but yeah, it kind of remains to be seen how it'll all play out. I mean, I'm confident it's going to be a great game. Whether or not you should upgrade if you bought last year's right. remains to be seen. That you kind of need the full picture of the full game to do. But, you know, this this year is... it's. I don't want to say it's going to be the last <laughs> year of primarily PS4 in the sense that... Because I know when, when it went from... The, the, where it comes out, it comes out in March. Yes, March. So it's in this weird window where next year's game in 2021... Like I'm sh- there will probably be a PS5 version, but I don't, you know, it's tough to say if it's going to be like really taking advantage of PS5 sure. or, yeah. you know, I don't know when they'll have dev kit access, if they already have it, if they've already got a PS5 build like up and running and looking great. Like, <laughs> but, you know, next year will be kind of a transition year regardless. Um, but I, I get excited at, at, at sports console transitions because... Yeah. You know, because sports games are these fixed things, like you know what the game is, you know what the rules are, it's sort of you've got this framework and the new technology can just make that all look and run and sound and play better if it's leveraged well. Uh, we, we saw that, I mean, at probably NBA 2K's, I think the best example of that where when it goes from one tr- generation to another, it's like, whoa, look what they, like, Last year to this year, holy crap! Look at the you know PS3 to PS4 version. So, I don't. know. I'm curious how next year will go with MLB the yeah. Show. But for now, yeah, it's a lot of very welcome refining for you know for the the hardcore baseball fan too. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see how it all comes together. I've got uh, two videos up as we speak cool. right now. A little four minute thing with Ramon on. He's just sort of talking through all those those defensive changes that I was mentioning. And then a 20-minute playthrough where he just started playing Road to the Show, which is the most popular mode in that every year, where you create a player who gets drafted and goes through the minor leagues and then Like a story kind of. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so we did 20 minutes of that. So you can look for those on IGN or on YouTube. But yeah, I'm excited for this year's game just because it's it's just super polished. It's it's. Almost certainly going to be really good. I yeah. can't imagine them <laughs> screwing it up really badly. Dropping the ball. Of... <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they knock this one out of the park. Yeah, keep going. Oh, um, but yeah, well, you know, it's. I think the the big question will be, what should you upgrade if you bought MLB The Show yeah. 19? And that I cannot answer. For up. sure. Yeah, we'll have to wait. Uh, it comes out March 18th. this year so pretty soon uh yeah from everything i've seen i grew up as a very in a very big baseball family and it's just sort of fallen off and as the years have gone by but it's been one of those i used to play baseball you're from new york new york so yankees are mets mets thank god we we can still be friends (laughs) is mike piazza still in the game i don't know how any of this works. he's in the hall of fame wearing a mets cap on his on his hall of fame good good i'll play it just to see that um No, I, it's been he's years. There. Oh, no. He's um, retired. Oh, it's been years since I've played an MLB or just baseball game in general, probably since even the PS3, uh, 360 era. So yeah. it's been a while, but it's felt like one, especially how you were talking to it of like, they've had all this time on the PS4 to refine it. So now is a great time to jump in, especially if you haven't bought those last entries. Yes. I'm definitely going to be, I think, checking this one out uh, this year. We gave for reference MLB the show 19 in 8.7. Okay. So it's high eight. Nearing the eight. We'll see if this one can crack a nine since we don't do points anymore. Um, But yeah, definitely a lot of confidence in that team to continue doing well as they have been for years. And I'm just so happy for that team too that not only, you know, they've 
they've been successful. I, like the, I remember, uh, I can say last year now, 2019, it, it hit the NPD top charts and then like stayed there. And it seemed like it's, it's actually selling better and better each yeah. year. And I'm so happy for that team because the move, that, well, the, the addition of the new platforms within the next two years is only going to just grant additional job security to all of them. Not that they were in danger, <laughs> clearly, but it's, they're going to get more resources to work with. They're going to sell more copies. Uh, you know, Sony will get, just like Microsoft gets a cut of every Minecraft, Minecraft. Yeah. sold on PlayStation, Sony's going to get a slice of, of every Xbox and Switch copy of that game sold. And it's just, I think the, the I'm so thrilled that Major League Baseball did this yeah. and said, hey, you guys, we want this on every platform. Make it happen. But I think, I think it's going to be, proven yeah, I think it's going to be better for everybody. For whether, sure. Even if you only play it on PlayStation, I think it's just going to end up being a better game. Yeah, I, I'm very excited to see what the future holds <clears> for that series because it is such a stalwart that sometimes we admittedly forget about when we're talking about the God of Wars and the Spider-Mans and Horizons of the PlayStation family. But yeah, year in, year out there, Putting out a solid hitter. They're like the, they're kind of like the Forza, stop it. They're, <laughs> they're kind of like the Forza of PlayStation, right? Where yeah. it's like, it, some people aren't into racing games, so it's like Forza's there almost every year. They did skip 2019, you know, presumably prepping for console launch in 2020. But yeah, Forza's there every year, and a lot of Xbox gamers don't think about it because they might not be into racing games. Same thing with MLB The Show. It's yeah. like, it's been this ex- wonderful ex- just perennially excellent exclusive series for yeah. PlayStation that I think a lot of PlayStation gamers don't think about because if you know they might not be a baseball fan, it exactly. might not be for them. So it's very exciting to see what the future holds for that. And yeah, that comes out March 18th. Uh, moving forward a little bit, it's the end of March is Persona 5 Royal, formerly Persona 5 The Royal. They got rid of the the for some reason. I'm glad. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's less complicated. Uh, that Soundtrack will be- by Lord. Yes, I would love that, actually. That's for a conversation for another show, though. Um, so, Persona 5, if you didn't play Persona 5 when it first came out, Royal adds a new, essentially, semester of content. We've been told a new character who will be part of the party, Kasumi, uh, and in addition to some other gameplay tweaks and story tweaks and things like that. Uh, it is already available in Japan. It comes out here, I believe, on March 31st, uh, so we'll be able to look forward to that pretty soon. Tom, I know you can't quite talk about it in full yet, but you did go get to go to a preview event recently. Yeah, I I went and played some uh, at a preview event, and I I am under embargo still, so I I can't quite talk about it, but you can keep an eye out for that coverage coming up, and I'm sure that I'll be back on here talking about it at some point. I think think the question that so many people have around this game is, okay, I sunk how many hours into Persona 5? Like 60, 70 hours. So you got the first half. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I got through (laughs) the the first act. Um... But like obviously, you know, that was that was a massive undertaking. And I think a lot of people want to know whether it's worth getting this this th- this game if they've already played through Persona yeah. Five. Like whether that that extra content is enough to for a repurchase, exactly. essentially. Yeah. Um, and not so just the DLC very, Yeah. Like I'm really intrigued to hear if it is worth it. Yeah. Uh, you can blink. Too. You can blink like blink. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Once for yes, twice for no. Max has already talked about this uh, a while ago about like all the Yakuza stuff and the Yakuza ports, but there's this hilarious thing when a game is already out in another region where it's like everything new about this game is already on the internet and you can find everything about it already if you want. 
just not in English. And right. so there's there's certain questions, and I think that is definitely a big one uh, in terms of um, go, like yeah, I put 120 hours to beat Persona Five, and I don't really know if I yet if I want to put another. They said it adds like a ton more content, so I don't know if I want to put 150 hours into this. Yeah, yeah especially in such a busy year. Yeah, we're we're both pretty big fans of that game, and I think yeah, it's one of those like time management things where I want to play all this new content, but do I have the capacity to? But yeah. now you got to finish it if you want to play Persona Five Scramble. Also, yes. yeah, uh, <laughs> Atlas is I feel like is one of the last uh, publishers that's still. Not doing a worldwide release. Yeah. Right? Like Square even, does occasionally like but no, smaller. Final Fantasy. The main lines, Final Fantasies have, have gone global release. Kingdom right? Hearts 3 was released a week earlier in Japan. A week. Which okay. is small, but it was one of those things where like by the time everyone here played it, the end of the game was on right. YouTube. There's but. also, I do understand it with at least a game like Persona 5 because there is a lot to localize yeah. going from... Japanese to English. There's a so much dialogue in mm-hmm. that game, and then there's also like it's not just translating it; it's fitting it all in. It's it, there's there's so much that goes on. So I do understand it, but I also agree. Staggered releases, I think, are are a bummer, regardless. Yeah, uh, but if you haven't, as Tom sort of alluded to earlier, please check out. Uh, he and I had a conversation last week. I think it was about uh, Persona Five Scramble. Kind of slowly, stealthily over time, has been revealing itself as basically Persona Five Two. Yeah, like a Final Fantasy sequel. So. It's it's way more. Everyone thought it was just going to be like a Dynasty Warrior style game, and it's actually way more of a an actual direct sequel to Persona Five than I think anyone was expecting. Yeah, which is really weird and cool. Really exciting as a fan of that game. Uh, moving on from that into April, though. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, which we talked a bit about last week with the brand new trailer, and uh, we shouted out, but Tom, you, Bo, and a few other people on staff did a huge deep dive yeah. into that new story trailer. Uh, there's so much happening in this. Yeah, someone who's never played. It was it was super funny because uh, I, I we finished writing that rewind and and doing the script, and it was like two thousand words. And to give you a sense for people who don't know word count to, to whatever, but like an 800 word review will usually be five to six minutes long. So we had like a 2000 word script where we were like, <laughs> Oh, there's a lot of stuff in this trailer. Yeah. So it was, it was a ton to dig into, but, and we got a couple of things wrong that we had to, we put a couple corrections here and there uh, just cause there's so, so much. Um, but there's a lot in that trailer that I think we ended up sort of getting a better sense of how they're going to expand the remake than we had before. Uh, and, and now I actually, in my in my head, sort of have an image of like, okay, this is probably what this game, like the path this game is going to follow. Whereas before I was just like, are they gonna, what, are, what are they going to do with the first five hours of Final Fantasy VII as a whole game? And now I kind of like, oh, okay, I, I, I see where this is going. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see. I would love if that demo that was uncovered on the PSN, like, two months ago it was on like january 1st or something someone found the demo listing in there i wish that demo would actually come out so we could get our hands on it but yeah uh, even with the small delay it is still coming early enough in the year that hopefully we'll have time to dive into that for a i bit. just i still don't the one thing i don't get about that game like i <laughs> love how the, the insane effort that's gone into it they started over they're like can you not tell us how much money it's going to cost in the end to play all of final fantasy 7 again mm. is this going to be Two parts. I don't know. Three if parts. They know. Yeah, that's. I what, mean, that's the that's, thing. I don't you, think shouldn't they, you know that? I don't <laughs> if you're planning, it's like it's like the 
it's like Kathleen Kennedy in the Star Wars <laughs> new trilogy. Shouldn't you know how the story is going to end yeah. before you set out to actually do it, so that you can plan it properly? Yeah. Even even like the wording at E three was around like <clears throat> the staggered releases was so vague. And I remember we were doing a chat with one of the the devs, um, and like we were told that we can't really ask anything specific. And it's like that's all anyone wants to know at this point yeah. are the specifics. Like just. Just please tell us. Like, will I be seeing the end of Final Fantasy VII on the PS6? Like, right. what is the expectation right now? So, I mean, I, I think that's kind of BS on their part. Like, I, again, I, it seems like, I'm not saying you won't get your $60 worth. Sure. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. We've got to mm-hmm. see what the what this thing is. But I think it's utterly ridiculous that that there's just no publicized strategy for this. Like, mm-hmm. shouldn't you tell gamers, do you plan on making me pay $180 to replay Final Fantasy VII in, you know, in 2020 slash through 2025. Yeah, and... and, Whatever it's going to be. And to me, that sort of thing isn't... I guess it isn't as concerning to me. Like, if each of the games is more of a contained thing. If Final Fantasy VII Remake, the first part of it, ends on just a huge cliffhanger with the exact same place that maybe Midgar ends in the original game, then I'm going to be annoyed. But if they found a way to, and from the looks of this trailer, it seems like they might have done this, they find a way to tweak the story, not to an unfaithful level, but to a level where this still feels like a good contained story Mm -hmm. that then has a sequel rather than a part two, then I'm not as worried about paying it $180 for three games because if each game feels like a game, then that's great. But to your point, exactly the same. They haven't told us either of those. They haven't told us if it's going to be this $180 cliffhangery thing or if it's going to be how these games are actually crafted, how the stories are actually crafted. And we still have time, right? It's still a little over a month, but not much time. Yeah, it, it's still a story I feel like they need to at least tell in part before the game comes out. Uh, yeah. Especially with the, the weird things like uh, it's a PS4 exclusive for its first year, but we didn't really know the terms of the exclusivity until they put up the box art on the Square Enix press site, and then people just noticed, oh yeah, it says uh, exclusive until blank date. And it was just sort of like, that's a weird way to confirm that information. So yeah, it's been an odd rollout of, I think, all the questions Final Fantasy fans have about what they're buying into right now. Yeah, I mean, the game looks great. The marketing around it is just set to the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's very just all over the show. And yeah. I feel like no one knows what they're doing. Yeah, it's it's a weird one, but I think one we're all still excited to play, but have a lot of questions. It's like a larger scale of. version of a few years ago when publishers, uh, when this, as this generation kicked into full swing and season passes were becoming a full thing. I remember Arkham Knight was a big offender oh, of yeah. this because I remember complaining about it on Unlocked, where it was give us fifty dollars for the season for the download season pass. We're not telling you what's in it, what you're yeah. going to be getting for that money, but trust us, it's going to be good. Like, no. Well, talking, yeah. I mean, this is Nintendo, but Nintendo even admitted that when they did that same thing with the Smash Bros. Fighter Pass, is they say, hey, you can buy these five DLC fighters that we're going to release over the course of a year. We know you want to know what's in them. We know what's in them. We're sorry we can't tell you what's in them. Please buy it. Yeah. And it's like, 
wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me? Nintendo, it's been really interesting seeing them like wrestle with the idea of season passes a few years after everyone else kind of did. Right. They're, still, they're still getting the hang of it with stuff like the Luigi's Mansion season pass. They're like, here's more DLC just up front. We can't tell you everything, but it is multiplayer. It's not story. Please don't get mad, but it's only multiplayer. Yeah. It's weird seeing them wrestle with that. I just, I just think f- gamers and customers of this game deserve a roadmap. For sure. And, and yeah. to, to the thing Jonathan briefly mentioned, I don't think they know yet. I genuinely don't think they know if it's two games Which or three games yet. Which is not good. Which is not good, but yeah, I... I that's agree. an assumption. Like, yeah. that's not, that's They've not never based said on that. anything. It just, I, I do think it is like a, we'll see how development on the next one goes and what right. we get. But, I, I'd be surprised if this is a long, long process that it does not get more clear before it gets more confusing. <laughs> yeah. One, uh, another game coming out in April, uh, PS4 exclusive console-wise, that is a little less murky because uh, it's a pretty much a classic 1v4 uh, shoot 'em up cool game, is Predator Hunting Grounds. That's my name for the genre. Uh, I got to play this at uh, PAX West, uh, formerly PAX Prime. I keep always wanting to say that. Last year, uh, we don't really have a full sense necessarily of like all the maps or weapon arsenals that we'll have, but they've shown a little bit of the ability to both play as a predator and as the four human soldiers. And from what I played, it was a ton of fun and I really want to dive into a few more matches. Is it like, has it evolved from evolve? You're following my lead. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, I would (laughs) say so. I think they've really handled the idea that um, both sides are fun to play as like, obviously the humans are depowered compared to the predator, but the humans working in concert with one another can really be a powerful tool because like the predator has to get up close if they really want to get in those kills and everything. And that exposes them. And if you can figure out a way to properly flank with your teammates, you can, you can take out the predator It is doable. Um, uh, Usually the levels that we were playing, they ended in you and your team essentially needing to get to the chopper and uh, whoever was alive, as long as one of you made it, you won. And so it would be sort of this like war of attrition where at least one person was just trying to edge further while some people may like sacrifice themselves to distract the predator. So there, there is a lot of uh, strategy that comes into it, not just wanting to be the predator and wanting to have that arsenal of cool alien tools, but like being a human felt fun. Also. And, and we talked about this way back, I think when you played it around E3, that... Uh, you know, there's been a lot of these asymmetrical games since Evolve came out. Evolve kind of died for the the genre to live. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I pointed out way back then that I think is a crucial, crucial difference that Predator is actually doing and all these games that since Evolve have done, or most at least, is uh, Evolve had the one trying to accomplish a task and the many trying to kill that person and stop them. And every game since them then has had the many trying to accomplish a task and the one trying to stop them and kill them. And that subtle difference is huge because it means the majority of the players are doing a thing and the single player is getting in the way. And the other way around, it just is like, it's not as interesting. It doesn't quite work. Mm -hmm. I I would note that uh, Evolve didn't just die. Like when Evolve didn't work... It was actually the whole 4v1 thing went out the window for a while because there was uh, Fable Legends. Right. Yeah. Bit the dust. uh, And sadly, the whole studio did. And then um, there was the Bioware Austin game. Shadow Realms might have been the name of it. I don't remember that one. Oh, I vaguely know. Bioware Shadow Realms. Yeah. It was announced and seriously within three months it was canceled. Yeah. It was it was a very weird one. Yeah. yeah, there were that whole genre just completely ate 
floor. And, then, <laughs> and, now, and now is flourishing. And now it's back, yeah. yeah. Friday the 13th and, and, and Dead by Daylight and all these yeah. games. Well, isn't, isn't the... The Predator developer, the Friday the 13th yeah, developer, because yeah. the, they lost the license or something? Yeah, it switched the over. Yeah, it's, um, so they found another thing they were passionate yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, and it what, a, what a almost blessing in disguise. So they got Sony's, Sony backing it now yeah. and probably more budget, and they're, you know, they already proved themselves with Friday the 13th. So. Yeah, it, it was really fun when we got to play it. Obviously, that was you know two or three matches, but I am excited to jump in more. It feels like a very fun like rinse and repeat. Let's see how well we can do in these matches sort of game. That comes out at the end of April. Then moving into May, we have a couple games that were delayed, uh, including Iron Man VR, which was supposed yes. to come out at the end of February, I believe, as well, in addition to the other delayed game in May. Uh, we haven't seen it in a while, or at least a new demo or anything, but um, I've played it. I don't know who else on this panel has played it. No, I want to play it. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's doing a lot, given the sort of reduced power of the PSVR in comparison to other VR headsets. Uh, the fact that they're able to get really impressive 3D mapping of the world so that you can fully turn around 3D wires notwithstanding mm-hmm. um, and fly around in these open spaces really works surprisingly well, especially for the PSVR tech. And uh, them wanting to tell an original Iron Man story and them getting sort of the blessing of Marvel games, who I think saw the success of Spider-Man and doesn't want, you know, they want that duplicated, but I also think they're going to be very precious about what they let forward. Really inspires me to see what the team at Camouflage, who formerly made uh, Republic, uh, are doing with this game. But yeah, we don't have a full scope of it just yet. Everybody wants this game to be great. Yes, like, yeah. like the potential's so high on this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my hope, yeah. I, I, I have really high hopes for it, especially as sort of a like, not swan song because the PSVR is going to live on, but sort of as like the last major PSVR game we know of before the PS5 comes. Uh, And then of course in May as well is the last of us part two. uh, Never heard of it. uh, It's this small little indie game. Um, It's a hunting sim, a human hunting sim. Uh, (laughs) And it's, it's rough. Let me tell you out there. Um, I of course played it uh, late last year and good news uh, that came out today as we were uh, just before we were recording the show. If you're attending PAX East, you'll get to play some of the demo I played of the last of us part two. It's going to be for the first time available to the public to play. It's the patrol level of the demo. I essentially played two different levels and this is patrol is a more story focused set in the winter. It sort of focuses on Ellie's relationship in the game that we've talked a bit about at length, um, her romantic relationship uh, and this new blossoming friendship that she has. Um, that is sort of explored a little bit in this demo to open it up to their really fun chemistry together. Uh, that'll be available to play there. They also released a new, you know, dynamic theme, some art and sort of stuff like that. They're putting up the special edition Ellie collector's edition, which has like her backpack as part of it and everything. But the crux of it is if you're going to PAX East, you'll get to finally play the last of us. One of my favorite, uh, YouTube comments when we were chatting after your preview, mm-hmm. one of my favorite YouTube comments on that video, that, that conversation we had was, um, it just said lesbian in game question mark and lesbian was felt like with an E instead of an A at the end. Oh, perfect. I just wanted that framed. I think that that should be like the box quote. <laughs> like BN means B I E N means good in Spanish, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. So. Lesbian. <laughs> yeah, les- um, but I just, I just, feels like a terrible <laughs> SNL joke from a decade ago. <laughs> I just love the idea of that being the quote. Yeah. I really, I, I, I want that to be like a limited edition. Uh, but in response run. to that question, Yes. Y- yes. <laughs> they are By the way, the uh, that sound you hear is every other PAX exhibitor going, oh, yeah. now all everyone's going to be lined up at the, for the blast of us. And nobody's going to be lined up at our thing. 
But also, props to the people who have to work that PAX booth because it is going to be a nightmare of a line, uh, yeah, gosh, I could yeah. imagine. But obviously, yeah, The Last of Us, we've talked about it quite a bit on the show. We'll continue to talk about it as new information, new details about it come out. But I have a feeling, as we've sort of seen, especially from the demo I saw, Naughty Dog is going to try to keep this uh, as tightly wrapped as possible to not spoil that story. Uh, and then last but not least is Ghost of Tsushima, which we now currently only know as a summer release. It is confirmed for PS4 sometime in the summer, which, depending on who you talk to, could probably be anywhere from June to the end of September, beginning of June to end of September, even though summer's a little shorter than that uh, in North America. So we'll, we'll see when that game comes out. I hope it comes out in its own window. I hope it's not too close to The Last of Us, but I hope it has enough room to breathe from the other consoles. Obviously, we haven't seen too much of it, but what we have seen, I'm really impressed by. Um, Question for the panel. Yes. What is, I can't think of another time that... There was a major new IP from first party at the very end of a console generation. Mm. I guess The Last of Us, right? That was the closest. That would be the closest that I could immediately think of. It's the only, yeah. Because everything else in that last year was like GTA. Right. Like there was a big year. We're talking uh, 2013. 2013. I'm talking especially first party Um, IP. Typically you launch your new IPs earlier in the cycle. And, And I say this not... I'm I'm being complimentary towards Sony and Sucker Punch. I think mm. it's great that they're. I mean, and, and in a way, it makes sense because the installed base is as high as it's going to get. For sure. So here, yeah. put this new idea out, and if it catches on, well, then a few years into PS5, you can drop Ghost of Tsushima too, and yep. you've got a built-in excited audience for that. I just I feel like there's not a lot of historical precedent for a major new IP. No, probably. yeah, it's not too often. I mean, the PS2 to PS3 generation it was God of War two that came out, I think, after the PS3 came out or very close to when it was coming out. So, the, But, of course, that was an established sequel. Yeah, The Last of Us originally came out on the PS3 in June of that year with the consoles coming right. in November. So seeing Ghost in that summer period this time around is not that strange given that past behavior. But, yeah, it is in... It's still, it's still, it feels a little risky to yes, me. Yeah. I think, you know, The Last of Us was such a slam-dunk success of a game um, that it, that didn't hurt it. Uh, I, I think the thing with The Last of Us 2 that Ghost doesn't have going forward is La- The Last of Us had Naughty Dog building up all this credibility with the Uncharted trilogy throughout that generation, whereas Sucker Punch is really beloved by a lot of Sony fans, myself included, but they haven't made a game since Second Son and First Light, which came out very early in the lifespan of the PS4. Yeah, I mean, so they- on the other hand, like the PS4 has a massive install base. Exactly. Like, it's not like people are just going to be throwing their PS4s out the window. Yeah. And Especially maybe, given whatever, and maybe it right. speaks to the confidence that Sony has in Ghost of Tsushima by yeah. saying, "Hey, let's let's put this new thing out right at the end of the generation, instead of holding it for PS5." Exactly. Or, you know? Yeah. So it's good it's, sign. It's an exciting one, and uh, sort of will cap off what we know of so far. Who knows if anything else gets announced? But sort of the exclusive window of games that we have coming to PS4, which is not a bad way to end a life cycle. Uh, no. This lineup is a pretty great series of exclusives and, and console exclusives that really show off what people have been able to put together from the last seven, eight years of these consoles. Um, Of course, we'll be covering all of those throughout the rest of the year in the coming months uh, on this show and on IGN.com. So look out for a lot more coverage on all of that stuff. But unfortunately, uh, we don't know what comes after that. But that's also very exciting because there's still half a year left after that. (sighs) It's going to be a busy year. Anyway. uh, Well, it's it's like that thing... uh, it reminds me, and this might be spoilers for Watchmen, not the TV show, but okay, it reminds good. me of that idea of like 
them trying to like block Dr. Manhattan's view of the future, right? By like, <laughs> so he can't see ahead. It's like that, right? Like we get to November and like no one knows. It just <laughs> ends. I mean, we're three months or two months in. God, I don't know how time works anymore and we don't know. Right. So, yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting year to see how that all unfurls. But uh, obviously a lot to look forward to in the meantime. Uh, before we wrap up sort of to the end of the show, I wanted to mention just a few quick news things that came up, uh, including... Earlier this morning, as we're recording, uh, the day before you uh, listen or watch this episode, Outriders from Square Enix, the People Can Fly team is developing it, who previously made Gears of War Judgment and uh, Bulletstorm, Bullet Storm. excuse me, blanked on the name for a second. Uh, they confirmed that it's also coming to next gen uh, later this year in 2020. So in addition to PS4 and Xbox One releases, it will also be coming to PS5 and Xbox Series X, which means we know one more game. <laughs> we're that much closer. <laughs> we know one more game. Uh, Bloodroot, an awesome indie that Tom and I have gotten to see. Uh, I've seen it a few times at events and things. Is coming out February 28th, the day after my birthday. So I'm very much looking forward to that. It is a very cool uh, top-down-ish uh, beat-em-up game where everything is a weapon, basically. So obviously swords and hammers and things like that. You're a woodsman uh, just taking out all these enemies. Those things are obviously weapons, but also wheels from wheelbarrows and uh, carrots are weapons. Sure. You can pull off some pretty insane murders with carrots. Uh, so it's a really wacky, fun, very stylized game. Uh, very much looking forward to the full release of that one. Um, we talked a little bit about in the past of what we would hope to see from this. I don't know how much you guys talked about this on Unlocked, but the Anthem Overhaul. Oh, yeah. We spent a good chunk of time. I've got Destin Legary on my show. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so so. I, I figured we'd leave it to Destin and those who have been <laughs> dipping in a little bit to this game. But obviously, if you hadn't heard the news, Anthem is looking at a major overhaul. Uh, this has been reported previously, but... Bioware itself confirmed finally that they are looking at massive changes to Anthem, particularly in the gameplay loop and progression and all those things. Um, so that means hopefully the Christmas decorations will finally come down. Oh, that's <laughs> so sad. The Christmas decorations still being up, still up breaks my heart. I think that's what spurred them saying anything at all. Yeah. Right. Was people that being like, oh, this is nothing's happening. I'm yeah. really, really intrigued if there is anyone watching the show, listening to the show, who is still playing Anthem, who has still been playing it from the very beginning. Uh, if you have, sh- like, shout out and tell us what keeps you playing um, because I do not know a single human soul who is still playing that game. It is a game that I really hoped for when it first came out. I think a lot of us did. Like, it was Iron Man, the video game without the Iron Man license in a cool future or sci-fi mm-hmm. futuristic jungle scape with Bioware. Uh, I but- mean, that game... And we don't have to blame this too much, but it showed, previewed extraordinarily well. Because the flying was awesome. Because the flying was awesome, the combat was awesome, it looks great. The issue with that game was the long-term stuff. And Bioware said exactly that in this blog post talking about an overhaul. So it's, it's gonna, like, this is what it needs. If it has a chance at kind of being revamped... This is what they need to be doing. Yeah, and yeah. I, I really like to hear more from Bioware. Uh, I'd like to hear... I kind of want, like, an honest, like, dev diary to be completely... You know, like, to be real, like, I, I want to hear them acknowledge where everything went wrong and then talk about how they're going to fix it. Um, like, you know, we don't usually get that degree of transparency from developers, but I think in this instance it would actually be really helpful for them um, to to be that honest and to say, hey, listen, this is what this is not what we envisioned at the very beginning. Um, we know where we went, went wrong, and 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 this is how we're going to fix it. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. honesty will go a long way, especially with all the people who feel extremely burned by right. the progress or lack thereof for this game. So yeah, we'll have to see how that all go- plays out. Whether that happens 
you know, in the next six months or after the launch of consoles. We don't really have a roadmap timeline of when these changes will occur, but it seems like they are still pretty much mapping all of that out. The cynic in me who isn't playing Anthem and isn't invested in it thinks, wants to think, well, just cut bait on this because it's it's one year sooner that I might get a new Mass Effect game <laughs> they start yeah. over. But at the same point, I completely get it. I mean, they do owe it to the to the hundreds of thousands of people that did pay $60 for this game. Uh, even if those those people are, have, have every right to be frustrated by the the lack of, of quality that they got in exchange for their $60. But also, I suppose, I'm sure they're probably looking at it as more of the long-term uh, health of, of the sort of reputation of the studio, where if they did just cut bait and said, we're going to sunset this thing, we're going to move on to, and just go back to Mass Effect... Sure, you'd get some people that were happy, but there'd be a very long, lingering, bitter taste in the mouths of every customer, not every, many customers, and it would only taint their future efforts. So, I mean, I give them credit for for trying, you know, for just saying, all right, we're going to spend the time and the resources to do this and to try and make this right. And there, the nice part is there are precedents for this, from Final Fantasy XIV to No Man's Sky to The Division of of games, you know, long tail games where the the community, you know, f- justifiably had had not had a good opinion of of what was there, but the developer puts in the work, and over time, the community 180s on it and completely is you know back in the developer's corner and championing the game and and happy with the effort and the result that comes out of it. So. I mean, that's completely right. Like ongoing games have the privilege of being able to actually completely change what they look like. Uh, like a single-player game, if it's a turd, it's a turd forever. Mm-hmm. An ongoing game can flourish into a beautiful butterfly. That famous Miyamoto quote. That's right. <laughs> um, Words yeah. of wisdom from Lucy <laughs> Our elderly Irish woman. Uh, it is, I'm glad they took this path. There are a lot of paths I think they could have taken, as you were saying, Ryan, and it, none of them are easy, but I do appreciate them taking this one. Uh, and last but not least on the news front before we wrap up the show, I uh, just wanted to briefly mention, because these things happen all the time now, uh, Sony patented a new bit of technology. It's an AI-focused technology that essentially will, in-game, help you progress in a game. If you're having difficulties in a game, the idea is that the AI would sort of register where you are, register where many people are having pain points, and help give you progress, possibly through paid means. So everyone immediately jumped on the idea of, oh, they're just going to throw microtransaction guides into games which is very possible i don't Mm. know i don't like that because like i love the idea of accessibility for all in video games and this sounds like an awesome accessibility feature and it should be free yes yeah and again this is the patent and obviously they're going to patent the way they could make money right which makes sense but we don't know what the final implementation will be if it is ever implemented uh for reference ubisoft has tried a thing like this they have an ai called sam that's available as a mobile app that essentially can help you it tracks all of your Ubisoft Uplay game experiences and then essentially is like, I'm having trouble at this point in this game and you tell the AI that and they're like, here are 12 YouTube videos that can help. Here's our forum with pages that had similar questions. Sam, is it super grumpy and slinks around (laughs) at night? If only. Yeah, no, it's it's a very cheerful, very minimalist AI and they were like, Sam, and I'm like, you guys know you have a famous character named Sam, right? I think (laughs) I'm the only one old enough at this this desk (laughs) to remember that this is not the first time that there's been paid game assistance because on the the original Nintendo, you had to call. Remember, this was back hotline. when the, oh, the back hotline. When, yeah, yeah, when when 
when you had to pay for long distance phone calls, so you had to you know you had to call up and it was not free. Oh if you got stuck in the Legend of Zelda, yeah, I was calling from New Zealand. Oh no, um, Lucy! I, well, I I actually we ended up. What in, game did you call for? Uh, lo- well, I actually called for the original Tomb Raider, uh, like because I was this idiot child and I got stuck in the puzzles. Um, but I remember at one point our local video store set up their own like little hotline, so I was able to call the, like them then, and I so vividly remember like. They always thought I was a little boy. It was my first encounter with like uh-huh. gaming sexism because they just presumed I was a little boy, and I would just be like, "Okay, yeah, <sighs> you can call me he." Gosh. But I need help with my with the, with the tomb raider. You're raider like the puzzle's really like, hard, so I'm I'll not, allow this for now. I'm not but, smart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God. Well, yeah. Luckily, we don't have those hotlines anymore because. There are wonderful guides teams at IGN who can help you out with all of that stuff. But we'll see if this gets integrated at all. I know there was an, uh, a long promise to go Google Stadia feature that hasn't yet launched, but the idea that you could essentially share your save state and so people could grab that save state and if they were having trouble, just jump into your game at a later save and play from there. That's a cool idea as well. Again, accessibility is great whenever it lets people get past maybe a pain point in the game, but how that actually plays out next gen, we'll have to see. Uh, that wraps up pretty much all the news for this week. If anyone, I know we're running a little short on time, so if anyone has to leave, please feel free to. Otherwise, we're going to jump right into Memory Card, which is our weekly segment where you, the viewers and listeners at home, write in with your funny, weird, wacky, whatever memories of your PlayStation and gaming life in general. We read those on the show every week. You can write in with a Memory Card story to beyond at IGN.com. Please use the subject line Memory Card so I don't miss it and accidentally delete it in the hundred emails I get every time I wake up every morning. But uh, this week's comes from Anastasia, and I'm going to pull it up. So, Lucy, if you could vamp for me, please. Oh, you want me to vamp? So, uh, what's happening in the world of Xbox, McCaffrey? <laughs> this audience, this audience uh, is dying to know this. Question. This you is know, what Jonathan gets. I think it's funny that uh, that you know we we've got AI that's going to be coming to help us in our games uh, when when we hate AI when it when it robocalls us. And oh yeah, to, it's like I'm not even talking to a person. Yeah, this is just a robot. Yeah, and you know, we're going to just welcome it into our lives in our video games. I mean, that is a distinctly American thing. So for like for people outside of the states, you you get a phone here and like you just get these robocalls. Sucks. Like every couple of days, trying to sell you something. I just got one today, a voicemail saying like, like it was like three minutes long. It's like stay on the line and I will tell you the secret to winning thousands and thousands of dollars. I was like, who are you? You're an American man. What are you doing? Like, why are you telling me? What is this? You're calling from California. It's just bizarre. Like I expect it from some, like, you know, from some sort of like remote. Anyway, I'm getting, I'm getting it's on a because tear. There but- are no consequences for unwanted, horrible behavior in this country anymore. At at, at any level of doing anything. <laughs> it's just John, like, I could- this is what you get for not having the email pulled up. <laughs> Listen, I could track. Like, I can see where you're calling from, right? It's crazy to me. Anyway. Beyond, my name is Natasha. <laughs> Natasha wrote in, and not Anastasia, but her email name said Anastasia, which is why I was confused. Please have your names be the same in both places so I don't get confused and call you the wrong name. I'm sorry. Uh, Natasha wrote in and said, it's a newer memory card, but I heard you guys were asking for weird ones and not, we got a, a string of sad ones. So I figured I'd write in about a weirdish one. Uh, if you'd like to read. So I was 17, moved into my new stepmonster's house, and I was told one weekend I needed to get off video games and go do something with my life. I had just purchased my very first PS3 system by myself and was pleased. 
Long story short, I plugged my headphones in, turned on my TV, locked the door, put a towel under the door, and climbed out of my window and shut it most of the way. There I stood playing Fallout outside of my window for about five hours until my dad came home around the corner of the backyard and stopped, stared at me, and said, Tosh, what the F are you doing, dude? (laughs) And I told him, why lie, right? So he walked next to me and asked what I was playing, and there we were, both standing outside my window, playing video games. He even asked to try it. We never got caught, but it is still something I find hilarious. That's really good. That is amazing. Um, That's a great one. Of course, if you have a story, uh, Max, a few weeks ago asked for funny ones as well. But whatever your story may be, please write in to beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card. And we'll read those every week on the show. We're also going to read this week one of our newer segments called That One Thing. Uh, we introduced it a few weeks ago. Of course, this is about sort of the one thing in a game that really stuck with you, that grabbed you and made you love that game for, you know, as long as since you've played it. Uh, this week's comes from Kevin. Kevin wrote in and said, Beyond, excited to write in for the first time, been a li- listener since the double digits and love that the show still exists and evolves with new people. Uh, but my one thing is the witch in the Left 4 Dead series. Going through droves of undead and all of a sudden there's this soft whimpering of a girl. The closer you get to her, this creepy choral music starts playing. When you see her, she's kneeling on the ground crying, looking like she needs help and once you get close enough, she freaks out and pummels you to death. <laughs> Thanks for keeping the podcast going and being awesome people. I, I so agree. The witch in Left 4 Dead. So good. So good, but like whenever you stumbled across one, you would just give like you would just want to instinctively give it the widest berth. Mm-hmm. Like um, from Software does this really well with this. I'm, we're not going to talk about Bloodborne. <laughs> Max and Brian aren't here, but like FromSoft does a really good job at, at this as well, just creating these enemies that sort of may seem in, like innocent or uh, non-threatening when you first see them, and then suddenly they turn around and and you're you're, you're dead, and it's terrifying. That 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 childhood fear of like something sweet and and innocent turn on its head it's so good even even beyond that one of the things i thank you i knew you were going to say that uh (laughs) one of the things that left 4 dead subtly does so incredibly well that the witch is key to is pacing that game both those games are masterful in how they ramp up craziness ramp down craziness keep you tense sort of different times give you breathing room when you need it they I think do that better than almost any other co-op shooter out there. Run by AI. Run by AI. The director, I mean, the director AI is, yeah, is almost solely responsible for that, right? And why that feels so good. And The Witch is such an important piece in that, like, tool in that tool chest of, here's a moment where nothing is happening, but you're scared, right? That is what it does, and it does it so well. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic, and thank you, Kevin, for writing in with that memory. And, of course, if you want to write in as well with that one thing that really stuck with you in a game, write in with that subject line, that one thing, to beyond at IGN.com, and we will also read those every week on the show. But other than that, that pretty much brings us to the end of Beyond Episode 630. Thank you so much for watching, watching, watching or listening to this episode. I can't speak anymore by the end of it. It's been so good. Um, but before we go, quickly want to plug, if you haven't been already, please check out our brand new weekly show, Next Gen Console Watch 2020, which Ryan and I are both on. Totally forgot to plug it on Unlocked today. Come on, Ryan. <laughs> they Bad told host. us to. Yeah, if you like this, <laughs> get some more of this every Friday. This duo with just a Damon in the middle. Uh, <laughs> 
come hang out every Friday. Uh, every Friday morning Pacific time is roughly when we're launching each new episode where we run down the newest information on next gen news, rumors, analysis, bring you uh, audience input, a bunch of fun stuff. We've done two episodes so far. They're on IGN. They're on YouTube. Check it out. Uh, it's a really fun, really great, well-produced, awesome show. Uh, so definitely check that out as well. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, Please check out all of our amazing Dreams coverage and preview and sort of all-encapsulating uh, content about Media Molecule that we've been putting up. The UK team has just done such a fantastic job with all that stuff. Uh, so definitely check that out and look forward to the review. Uh, but other than that, thank you, Lucy. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Tom, for joining me this week. On hey, show. Doom Eternal is our IGN first game this month. Right, It's going to yes. be real good. I played a lot of that game. Uh, we're doing coverage all month long. We have, uh, As of this recording, we have three pieces up. Fourth one goes up tomorrow. Awesome. Just search Doom Eternal IGN first on YouTube or IGN or we, Google. We have the first minutes of the game, uh, Glory Kills montage, yeah, just, bunch just of fun stuff. And yeah, awesome. I cannot <laughs> wait to play that game. Um, but See, that's the, that is the box quote for Doom Eternal. Gross and awesome. <laughs> Gross and awesome. IGN. You can't use that. I'm not. I'm just saying, yeah, don't, don't put that on the box. <laughs> I haven't played the whole game? thing yet. Um, but of course, when we're not here on the show, we are on IGN.com and YouTube.com slash IGN and all our various social media platforms making wonderful stories and videos and everything to check out. So please go to all of those places because that helps us make the show every week. Uh, but you can also find us on Twitter. Lucy is at Luce O'Brien. I am at Jam Dornbush. Ryan is at DMC underscore Ryan. Correct. And Tom is at Tom R. Marks. Thank you so much for listening and or watching to this episode. And as always, beyond. 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 Unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And together, we run Buffering, a rewatch adventure, a family of podcasts moving through our favorite 90s genre television. If you're a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, well, great news for you. Our very first podcast adventure took us through all seven seasons of the series. We covered it spoiler-free, episode by episode. For those of you who want to start the show for the first time, you can find that podcast pretty easily. It's called Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Inside that podcast, you'll also find an original song that pairs with each glorious episode of Buffy and original character jingles for so many of our Buffy favorites. Buffering has been praised in places like Time, Esquire, Paste Magazine, and the New York Times, and we've chatted with dozens of cast members, writers, directors, and fans along the way. Come hang out and rewatch some of your favorite television with us and a wonderful community of listeners. Learn more at BufferingCast.com or find us on socials at BufferingCast.